Thank you. The, uh, the Bible reading will be from Revelations 21 22 through to 22 5. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendour into it. On no day will its gates ever shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honour of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street to the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healings of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Amen. Thank you. If I can invite Dan. I'll pray, pray for you first, if I may, Dan. Yeah, please. Father God, we, uh, we give you thanks for who you are. You are our Saviour, you are our Lord, you are our God, and you call us to be your friends. So, Father God, we honour you first and foremost. I pray, Father, that you will speak to us by your Holy Spirit and through Dan. If you want to just interrupt what Dan's saying and lead him a different way, may he be open to that. But may we also be open to know what your Spirit is telling us. Father, for your glory. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks so much. And um, just a short little plug, actually. There's some books about the Queen right by the door, which, um, anyway, they're for you. Just grab one. Uh, they're free. Um, Alistair's company's been printing them off, and uh, <laughs> we've, uh, we've got quite, quite, and there are more as well. So on your way out, do grab a, a lovely booklet about the, the Queen there on the, on the way out. So I've got a question for you. Uh, what is your favourite place? Does anyone have a favourite place in the world? I'm going to tell you about mine. Uh, hopefully the picture will come up on the screen. Uh, when I was growing up, we, uh, we lived in uh, Newcastle, and my mum and dad bought a, a chalet on the dunes in Northumberland. And uh, we, we would go for most of our holidays there to Newton-by-the-Sea, which is uh, a beautiful uh, place. There it is. There's the view. In the distance, you can see Dunstan Castle, and we had a uh, chalet on the dune, and used to go to sleep listening to the seals singing on the rocks, and uh, the beaches were glorious, and uh, the weather was always amazing. And uh, <laughs> why, I don't know why that's funny, but uh, uh, and it, it's just a lovely place. Um, so that that's my favourite place. I wonder, has anybody got a favourite place? I'm actually interested in finding out. Has anyone got Wayne? Norfolk's your favourite place. Childhood holidays? Yeah. yeah. Lovely. 
You used to go camping with your adopted dad when you, when you were little. That's lovely. Thanks, Wayne. Thank you. Anybody else got a favourite place? Carol. Wales. Wales? The whole country? Brilliant. Okay, fantastic. You love Wales? Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Many times you've been? You've been across to Wales many times? Sorry? You've been quite a few times to Wales? Yeah. Brilliant. Oh, lovely. That's right. Andrea? Lanzarote. Lanzarote. Oh, aren't we getting posh now? Yes. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> so that's your favourite place? You love going to Lanzarote. Thanks, Andrea. Yeah. Anybody else? Yeah, hands as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't remember one second. Lee? Arundel. Arundel? Yeah. Tell us about Arundel, Lee. Well, that was the family that had been for four generations. Wow. And built up in a house by a wall street. Opened the five bedroom church door on the river Arran. The 14th century ruins. Beechwood and Arundel Castle right in front of it. How lovely. So going back four generations in your family? Four generations. How lovely. Arundel. Oh, wonderful. Lee, wow. That is a, thank you for sharing that. That is lovely. Yes, Jonathan, where's your favourite place? Portugal. Portugal. Jonathan's been to Portugal. You like Portugal? Yes, I do. It's a lovely place. Oh, wonderful. All right. Anybody else? No? Go on then, Peter. Kenya. Kenya. Oh, now we're really going for it. And have you, 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 go on. Yeah. That's why so you love Nile, yeah. And I love, yeah, I love kind of meeting the, the fishing guys and the, wow. and, and going out to the lunch huts and the Sounds like you've been more than once. I've been more than once. Yeah, brilliant. Oh, wow, brilliant. Yeah. Peter, thank you so much. All right. We've all got maybe different favourite places. Who's got Pembury? Whose favourite place is Pembury? Yay. Pembury's pretty good as well. But um, nobody said that... that that the M25 was their favourite place. <laughs> nobody, said, uh, nobody said that Ikea was their favourite place. I'm, I'm somewhat surprised. Well, I, I want to tell you about a place that even your favourite place is nothing by comparison. It actually far outshines all of our favourite places put together. And we might be surprised to hear that this place, which is going to be our ultimate destination, it might surprise you to hear that this place is a city. Now, before I got married, I was living in London, and I wasn't sorry to leave London, because it's a big city. It's hustle and bustle. It's busy. And sometimes, you know, some of the places we mentioned, you know, it's good to get away from it all. Uh, perhaps we want to be away from the city. But actually, this place, this ultimate destination that we might call heaven, is actually a city. Now, why is it a city? Well, a city is where people come together. And God wants to be with people. He wants to be with you. We're told about this city. This city does not need the sun or the moon to shine in it. Tom was praying earlier about creation. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. The sun and the moon. But the sun and the moon aren't even necessary in heaven anymore. Because God is the light. He himself is right there. And it's a city 
with God at the centre. It's a place to be with God. In the Bible, we hear about this place called Jerusalem, where King David had his throne, and also then later they built a temple. Just hearing on the news today about uh, potential conflict in Jerusalem. It's still a hot spot, isn't it? Very special place as well. But heaven here is described as the new Jerusalem. It's still a city. But in this new Jerusalem, there's no temple. Now the temple was where people would come and meet with God. But in heaven, in the new Jerusalem, there's no temple. Why? Because God is the temple. You meet direct with God. I actually understand how <clears throat> other religions, for example Muslims, can't get their heads around Christianity. Because it says here that on the throne, at the centre of heaven, is the Lord God Almighty, God, and the Lamb. Now, so, if you're a Muslim, there is only one God. But Christians start to say, well, hang on, the Lord God Almighty shares his throne with a lamb. <laughs> and that just sounds weird, doesn't it? But you see, God is in relationship with himself, and he's also in relationship with his people. And as we fix our eyes on our ultimate destination, it's all about relationship. I love Newton by the sea. I love the idea of being on a golden sandy beach. But actually God is calling me just to be with him in relationship. It's not about splendid isolation. It's not just about me chilling out and being by myself. Go away, please leave me alone. <laughs> Heaven is where we're, we're together. It's a city. And God is at its centre. We're told here the nations will walk by its light. And the kings of the earth will bring their splendour into it. Now, in Revelation, the kings of the earth, earlier in the book, receive judgment. Because they get in bed with the beast, with the devil. They seem to be setting themselves against God. And all through the Bible, the kings set themselves up against God. So you might think, well, they're not going to be in heaven. But we're told here, the kings of the earth and the queens bring their splendour into heaven. Is that perhaps a bit surprising? The presidents bring their splendour into heaven. The prime ministers bring their splendour into heaven. Wait a minute. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. Well... <laughs> the kings and queens do you know we think oh well, that'll all be you know that won't last that won't but actually not everything on earth is bad and not everything of human origin on earth is bad we're told the nations 
uh, the glory and the honor of the nations will be brought into heaven. I don't know about you, but I find that surprising. But there is glory in our world that reflects God. Might not always know we're reflecting God, but we do. The diversity in our world reflects God, the different nations. Now, I've met some Christians who give the impression that there's only going to be about 50 people in heaven. And they say, well, you know, they've all got to agree with me on absolutely everything. And I can't, and they're, they're going to get a surprise when they get to heaven. They're going to be like, what? You're here? But you were a Baptist. <laughs> we'll be in for a few surprises. But you hardly ever came to church. I know, it's amazing. I'm still here. You didn't serve on the tea and coffee roads. I know, but I still got in. <laughs> so, heaven is broad, diverse, and there's going to be some surprises, and the glory of the nations and the kings of the earth are brought into it. But it is also pure. We're told nothing impure will ever enter heaven. Nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful. So while it's broad and inclusive, it's not anything goes. It is pure. After this passage, to, towards the end of the Bible, it just says, not everybody is in heaven. It says, outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everybody who loves, false, loves and practices falsehood. I'm just going to clarify that outside of the dogs, dogs will be in heaven. Absolutely they will. Dogs will be there, don't you worry. It's, it's talking about, you know, the images of street dogs, and it's like people who behave like dogs just roaming... The thing, you see, God is so gracious. He's so loving. But there are people who just don't want to know. In Revelation, it talks about people who received judgment and then they still didn't turn back to God. Still didn't want to know. They just loved shame. They loved darkness. They loved lies and deceit and falsehood. And they kept on loving it despite being faced with the love and compassion and the grace and the light of God himself. God is loving and gracious, but he's not going to force himself on anyone. He wants us to choose him. He says, only those names are written in the Lamb's book of life. If you ever feel a little bit anxious, I hope my name's in there. And how big is the Lamb's Book of Life? You know, is it a short novel? Just a few names. I'm telling you, it's massive. If you just have a crumb of faith, your name's in there. It's not meant to give us anxiety, it's meant to encourage us. To give us hope.
told you I lived in London before we were married. I also grew up in Newcastle. And in both those cities, there's a river running through the city. River Thames, River Tyne. And when I was uh, at school, we, uh, for a short while, I, I did some rowing. With, we, we, did, we had the opportunity to do rowing on the River Tyne. Uh, with, I think it was the physics teacher. He was a horrible, horrible teacher. But I did the rowing. I, I mean, it's like we just punch you and go, you see? You just walk off. Anyway, I need counselling from my school days. But, but he... I remember once uh, we were larking about on this rowing, and we fell, I fell in. Falling in the river Tyne was not a pleasant experience. I thought, oh, I hope I didn't swallow some of that water. It was disgusting. Um, particularly that point, there's some bits of it further up than I, but that, oh, it was horrible. Often a river running through a city is polluted and dirty and, and so on. Now there's a river running through the centre of this city of heaven. And yet the water is as clear as crystal. It's the water of life. And it's flowing right down the middle of the great street of the city. It's like Venice, you know, right in the middle. And it brings life as a river. said a couple of weeks ago that much of the imagery of revelation, which is weird and wonderful, most of it actually is already in the Bible. If we're puzzled by it, this isn't a shortcut, but this is a key to understanding it. Read the rest of the Bible, because much of it's already in scriptures. So all that stuff about the nations and bringing their glory, that comes from Isaiah chapter 60. And this image of the river it's right there in, in creation, it's mentioned in various places, but it's also mentioned in Ezekiel chapter 47. Strong image of the river coming from the presence of God. And what Revelation does is it brings all these images together and brings them into a fulfilment. Where does the water come from? Why is it so clear as crystal? It's because it's flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Holy Spirit doesn't get mentioned much in person in Revelation, but he is the river. He is God's presence, flowing from the throne. And he doesn't stop there, he, he just flows through the middle of the city. In creation, we're told about two trees, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and also the tree of life. The tree of life is also here in heaven. Standing by the river and bearing 12 crops of fruit. Wouldn't you like that kind of tree? <laughs> One month you get apples, next month, exactly. Next month you get oranges, next month you get lemons. That's what this tree is like. And its leaves are for the healing of the nations. Our nations need healing, don't they? This nation needs healing. The tree of life brings healing. The tree of life. Adam and Eve were told not to eat from the tree of 
the knowledge of good and evil, but to eat from the tree of life. That's what we're called to do as well. Heaven's an open place. The gates are up. In the ancient days, what they do is they, they lock the gates around the city. Keep it, keep it safe from marauders at night time. But there's no night time in, in heaven. And so the gates are open. People come and go. And it's open. It's free. And the Lord God will give them light. And the people there, you and I, will reign forever. Does this give you hope? This is our ultimate destination. This is our favourite place. This will be our favourite place. Be encouraged. Because your name is in the Lamb's Book of Life. So turn to the light. Don't hide in the shadows anymore. Turn to the light this morning. Turn your face to the light of God. This river is available to us now. Think about that next week at Pentecost. Holy Spirit poured out on all believers. Jesus said, you believe in me? Streams of living water will flow from within you. This is available to us now. Now I know we're not there yet, but you see eternal life starts now. Before I got married, I lived the guys in my band who played last week, Tom and Pete in particular, we used to live together. And uh, then eventually Pete met his wife-to-be and, and we betrayed us all, got married. <laughs> I was the next to go. Uh, we had this old bromance thing going on for a long time and then it all fell to pieces. But, <laughs> but we lived together for many years and uh, occasionally my friend Tom or Pete would say, I'm putting the kettle on, would you, would you like a cup of tea, Dan? And I was a young Christian at the time and I thought, I need to disassociate myself from earthly pleasures such as drinking tea. <laughs> and I, I would say, well, you know, I'm not bothered. If you want to make me a cup of tea, I guess I'll drink it, but, you know, it's up to you. They say, no, wrong answer. <laughs> do you want a cup of tea or not? <laughs> oh, yes, all right, yes, I do, I want a cup of tea. Yeah, I'd love a cup of tea, please. Jesus says, when he says that the streams of living water will flow from within you, what does he say before that? He says, if anyone is thirsty, come to me and drink. If we say, well, I'm not that bothered, Lord, if you want to pour out your Holy Spirit on me, if you want to flow through me, then I guess you can. I'm not, I, I'm not fussed, really. If anyone is thirsty... I love coming in here and grabbing a coffee and having a pastry. Fantastic. But the bread of life is also here. The water of life is also here. 
So I want to encourage you to come and to drink this morning. To bask in his light this morning. Jesus' prayer for us, or for us to say, was to say, on earth as in heaven. That will be fulfilled one day, but also we're to pray it for now. Heaven on earth. Lord, we want as much of heaven on earth now. And you're calling me to carry heaven to my friends, to my neighbours, to my work colleagues. Our ultimate destination, we've already got the ticket. We've already. It's been bought for us. <laughs> We're told in heaven there's no longer any curse. Well, actually, there's no longer any curse now through the death of Jesus Christ. His blood covers us from all our unrighteousness, all our sins. Just put your trust in him this morning. So we want to acknowledge your presence Father, we want to acknowledge the flowing river of your presence. We want to acknowledge grace flowing from your throne. We want to turn our faces this morning to the light. I thank you for the hunger for you among us here. Thank you for the thirst that is within us here. We know we've tried drinking elsewhere, Lord, and it just doesn't do it. So, Holy Spirit, flow in our midst right now even. Bless you, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Praise you, Lord. You might think it's blasphemous to say this, but you will bring your glory into heaven. Because you are a glorious daughter. You are a glorious son. God has made you that through Jesus. Lord, we ask that you minister healing in this place. Lord, as we think of Daft's image of, of the bog pulling us down, Lord, we, we take authority over anything that might be pulling us down this morning. We take authority over that in Jesus' name. 
We break the power of that in Jesus' name. And we ask, Lord, that you lift us up. Lord, your word says, to the Lord I cried, and he lifted me up out of the miry pit. He stood my feet on a rock. And on that rock I will praise him. Does anyone want to praise the Lord this morning? Come on. He's here. Yes, Lord, you're faithful. Invite the band to come. We're going we're to be doing exactly that as we sing. But we don't need music to praise the Lord. Just be praising him even right now. In your heart. Lift, lift your heart to the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's stand. Hand over to Tom and the bands. Thank you.